Hey there, I'm Dana, a registered dietitian and registered dietitian exam tutor. And this is my podcast where we go over all of the questions that have been posted to my Facebook page, Registered Dietitian Exam Study Group with Dana over the past week. And we not only chat about the answers, but why are they the answers as well as answer any questions that students have posted on the page throughout the week. This is a weekly podcast, so be sure to tune in each week for new questions. And of course, I would love to see any of you guys at the live version of this on Sunday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern time. Our first question we have is from Sarah. So she's saying, can anyone explain this Inman question for me? A patient has severe acute pancreatitis symptoms, nausea, vomiting, and is requiring 200 and sorry, 2,500 calories a day. Um, Which of the following would you recommend? So we have 3,000 cc's, right, or milliliters, of a one calorie per cc tube feeding formula through the jejunum. We have 1,500 cc's of two cal with a nasal jejunal, I'm sorry, nasogastric tube feeding. We have 1,000 cc's of D50W with, I don't think, it says 10,000 cc's of amino acid, but we're going to go with it. Um, and six, um, Um, So 10,000 cc's of 7% amino acids, 650 cc's of 20% lipid, uh, and then we have option D is 1,000 cc's of D50W, and then here we got 10,009 cc's of 7% amino acid and 500 cc's of 10% lipid. So definitely, I can tell you right now, those amino acids, that's a lot of amino acid, um, we're not going to be giving that much to our patients, but maybe it's just a little bit off. Um, so here, right, we kind of are reading through them, and this is the type of question that by the time you get to the end, you're like, oh, God, like, there's a lot going on here. So we want to kind of loop back and go, okay, what did this question even ask? I already forgot. So we're saying, can someone, um, no, that was the student's question, sorry. It was a patient with severe acute pancreatitis. So right away, I'm like, okay, severe acute pancreatitis. Is that an indication for TPN? No, we would always wanna try enteral feeds first. So I'm crossing out C and D, which is better because I didn't wanna have to deal with already saying that the 10,000 cc's of 7% amino acids was way too much, so perfect. So then we're in between, we have A, where I'm saying that I'm gonna feed through the jejunum, or I have B, where I'm saying nasogastric. And so for the exam, we wanna be thinking that the best type of tube feed for severe pancreatitis is going to be feeding through the jejunum because again think of our anatomy right we'll bring out my guest star for those of you guys on video we have the little stuffed stomach so we have our stomach and our pancreas is kind of you know like tucked under our stomach right kind of abutting the duodenum so if I do a gastric tube feed the tube feeding is going to kind of pass through the duodenum bother my pancreatitis. So the best thing to do would be kind of sneak past the duodenum into the jejunum so that I'm not irritating my, so I'm not irritating my pancreas. So without doing, you know, too much math, right? I'd be saying, okay, jejunum is the way to go. And then we want to think, well, am I going to overfeed the patient? You know, 
again, here we're thinking, well, both A and B are going to give me 3,000 calories, so I would rather overfeed by 500 into the jejunum, too. Great question. Um, great question, too. Um, then we had a question, too, from a student who's saying, you know, like, how, how should I use pocket prep um, to do practice exams? And so you guys all know, and I tell my students this, too, I love pocket prep. I think it's a really great service. It's really great price, and we don't need to reinvent the wheel. Um, so with pocket prep, what I do recommend for my students is doing sets of 50 questions. And a great kind of place to start is doing 50 questions twice a week. Um, focusing on whatever domain you're studying with one and then having your second per week being an all domain one. Because if you, what you can get into is if you're studying for the exam and just doing domain one, domain two, domain three, by the time you go to your exam, right, you forgot about domain one. So doing kind of at least two sets of 50 a week with the pocket prep, kind of do it test taking conditions, show answers at the end is a really great place to start. Um, and then pocket prep also launched a beta exam two, um, which is great. It definitely, you know, you score low on it. Um, my students who have taken it so far and then taken their exam, um, you know, are scoring in like the 60s and then passing. Um, so don't let a low score freak you out. But again, pocket prep is great. Okay, next one we have is an alcoholic patient has a low serum albumin low hemoglobin, a high ammonia, and abnormal liver function test in ascites. Why is he on a low sodium diet? Right, and then we have our answers, our secondary renal failure. We also have hypoaldosteronism. Um, we have hypoalbuminemia, and then we have hyperammonia. So again, this is the one where I want to read through, and I'm like, what is he even asking me? So it's saying, why is he on a low-sodium diet? So I'm reading through this. So I'm like, okay, low albumin, right, makes sense. If my patient has cirrhosis, you know, my albumin is going to be low because my liver is my factory for my albumin. So I'm making less. I'm also having hepatic reprioritization. So I'm making less. Um, so, you know, not unexpected. And remember, what is our albumin for? It's to help keep oncotic pressure. So, right, would keep our fluid, which should be low hemoglobin, isn't going to have anything to do with sodium. High ammonia, right, that's telling us hepatic encephalopathy, right, but we don't do a low sodium diet for hepatic encephalopathy. Abnormal liver function test, right, yep, that's going to tell us, right, something's wrong with our liver. We don't necessarily do a low sodium diet for that. And then ascites, right. You know, a lot of the time we're doing a low-sodium diet for ascites because we don't want the fluid to kind of get worse. Right? So I go kind of through that, and then I'm like, okay, let me go through my options again. Secondary renal failure. Didn't tell, I don't have any labs about renal. Cross that out, right? My aldosterone, right? Again, I'm not really thinking about renal here. Um, low albumin, right? We might not want to pick this one, right, in this one is the answer, but it's saying because I have this edema, I have this ascites. So if I have a high salt diet, I'm going to make the edema from both the ascites and that low albumin worse. And then like I said, the ammonia wouldn't have any impact on it. So the key here is to remember that the liver is making albumin 
and then also that albumin is helping to keep our oncotic pressure. So if I have a, pro a patient with low albumin, you know, feeding them protein can help with their fluid status. Besides um, ascites, another word we can see there too is anasarca, which is going to be globalized edema. Do we often see that in our malnourished patients? Okay, next up, we have a question from Tori. So she said, I feel like this one is simple, but for the life of me, I can't understand it. It's from Quizlet Flashcards. Anyway, this is when you use the Facebook page, right? So what number of productive FTEs do you need for two seven days per week positions? They are from 6.30 to, um, to 3.30 p.m. with a 30-minute lunch break. So first thing I'm going to do is, again, kind of read through my question like I did and go, what do they want? I want to know how many FTEs, and it's specifically kind of prompting me two places to remind me to cut out that 30 minutes lunch break, right? It's saying productive FTEs, and then it's also saying 30-minute lunch break. So what we want to be thinking, right, is if I'm having a 30-minute lunch break, I'm really only working 6.30, right, to 2.30. And so if we're kind of thinking about, about that, right, and saying, okay, right, so what time is 2 o'clock, right? If we're doing some military time, right? We're thinking, okay, that's 1,400 and a half, you know, minus 6 and a half. Um, so that's 8 hours, right? But it might not stand out to you as 8 hours. It doesn't to me when I read that. I'm like, oh. So what this is really saying is it's saying, okay, this shift is 8 hours of working. Perfect. Let me go back into the question and see what else I wanted. Okay, it said, how many numbers of projective FTEs would you need for two seven days per week positions? Perfect. So what I want to do with FTEs is I want to think about, first, what is the total hours I need? Okay, so I need eight hour shift times two times seven days in a week. So I need 112 hours work and we already subtracted out the lunch break. So always subtract the lunch break first. And then what I'm doing is I'm saying, okay, well, what is my standard? Am I talking about daily or am I talking about weekly? This is going to help you decide if you're going to divide by eight for the day or by 40 for a week. So it's saying per the seven days per week position. So I'm looking for the week. So I do 112 divided by 40. And that is telling me that I need 2.8 FTEs. And again, with this one, writing it out is super duper, is super duper helpful. Okay. Next one we have is what is the emulsifier yolk, egg white, or egg? And this is going to be our yolk. A lot of the time we'll think about when we think about eggs, we think about lecithin. Lecithin can also be made synthetically with soy. So soy lecithin is very similar to egg yolk, and that's going to be our emulsifier. Next question looks like it's from Pocket Prep. You guys are really loving the FTE questions this week. Um, so it says last week, 20 FTEs produced 1.75 um, nutrition consults per labor hour. How can protectivity be increased? And oh, so this one too is again kind of taking, you know, kind of taking your knowledge and also trying to to kind of rationalize it too. So let's go through these ones too. So one option we're saying increase the number of meals served. 
So, right, I'm talking about, right, nutrition consults. So increasing the number of meals served is not necessarily going to, uh, isn't necessarily going to help me with consults. Um, next, we have a PRN. So when we're thinking about productivity, what we're trying to do is kind of like maximize work with decreasing kind of hours spent, um, like time spent or kind of money, um, money spent too. So what we're having here is our answer is to decrease our overtime hours. And what we're, what we're saying is this is overall going to increase our productivity because we're trying to decrease those overtime hours and that's going to be decreasing kind of that input that we're putting in. So if we're saying we're kind of decreasing all these overtime hours worked, we're going to be able to increase our productivity because we're saying we're still doing these consults, but in less amount of time. So we're saying, okay, instead of doing like 1.75 per labor hour in, let's say, 50 hours a week because I'm working overtime, I'm doing that in 40. So you're thinking we're reducing the hours worked here. Okay, next up we have um, a question on budgets. So we have the hospital budget for the first six months is set for 80% occupancy rate. Budget figures for this level are listed below. The second six months, there'll be an occupancy of 60%. What would the food cost budget be for the second the second six months too and so one thing like one way that you can kind of be doing this is to think about well what would the budget be for what would the budget kind of be for 100% and this is a great opportunity to do a proportion and I really like to do a proportion on these questions because it I think it makes the math really easy so what we want to do is again kind of we read through it and then we're kind of looking okay well what does it actually want because it's also giving us food costs and labor costs so it's saying what would the food cost budget be for the second our second six months so below it's telling us that for 80 percent occupancy our food cost is thirty thousand dollars so if i'm going to do my proportion i would have on top Right, my $30,000 over X, 100, whatever 100% is, is equal to 80 over, over 100. Because what I'm trying to find is what would I divide 30,000 by to get to, um, to get to 100, um, 100%. And so what I'm thinking about here, if I cross multiply that, so I'm doing 100 times 30,000 divided by 80, again, write out your little proportion. I'm saying 100% is $37,500. And if you're like, wait, is that going to work? Do 30, double check it, 30,000 divided by 37,500. There we go, 80%. So my question is asking me, what would the food budget be for the next six months if we're at 60%? So I take my 37,500 times 0.6 and I get 22,500. So again, we've taken one where there's a whole lot of information and really kind of pairing 
um, paring it down to. Okay, next question we have is from Kelly. She says, can you explain the differences between the national dysphagia diet system to the international dysphagia diet standardization initiative? Um, also, do we need to know both systems? So this is a great example of one of those changes from old inmans to new inmen. So if you've heard me talk about it before, I always tell you if you have an old inman, grab it up and spend your money on other materials because the changes are super small. And one of the changes is the ITSI diet. So with the ITSI diet, what we're thinking is we went from subjective of that's honey thick to objective of because it go, has this much left in the syringe, this is gonna be a four fluid. So the ITSI diet, you do wanna know some of the measures for each level. And then you also wanna be able to kind of think of an example um, for each. So definitely what I would recommend is search ITSI diet on the Facebook page and you're gonna find the guide um, that I really like. If you're listening on the podcast and you don't have a Facebook, um, just shoot me an email at dinajfryernutrition at gmail.com that you would like it, and I will send it over to you to make sure that you have it. Um, two. Okay, so our next question, um, two, a student was saying, you know, she has difficulty kind of getting all of the government agencies mixed up. And this is not an uncommon problem. And definitely if this is a trouble area for you, check out the nutrition labels and government agencies class because I break everything down. And she's like, how am I supposed to remember all these? And this is an example of one where I think a chart is super duper helpful. And what I would do is make this an active studying activity, kind of grab a blank piece of paper and you know, go through your Inman and every kind of government agency you see, kind of write it down and add to it because the government agencies are in domain one and domain four. Because having it all out on a chart is going to help you to see where is that overlap? Where is it that it looks like this government agency does both jobs, but it really kind of shares it? Um, one tip I always like to give my students is a reminder that the FDA regulates 80% of the foods. So not that you should guess, but when in doubt, the FDA. But I recommended to the student, I said, you know, go through and make a chart. And again, if you're having difficulty with this, get that video, Nutrition Labels and Government Agencies. It's on my website, danajfnutrition.com. Click record courses, and then you can search for it. Um, but that's a great kind of active study tool. And every time you see one in a practice question, read that explanation and kind of add, um, add to your notes too. Um, add to your notes too. Um, so next one, we have a question from Anna. So she's saying, this looks like out of Inman. When preparing a budget, which management function is involved? Um, is involved? So we have controlling, organizing, evaluating, and projecting, right? And so here we're using some of our vocab of our functions of management. And she's saying this one's kind of a little bit confusing. And so our answer here is gonna be organizing. And what we're thinking about, um, um, when we're thinking about kind of our, our budgets too, you know, what we're thinking about, and sorry, I said organizing, I mean controlling, um, is that the budget is controlling our finances. When we're thinking about organizing, what we're thinking more often 
is talking about organizing people. So it's definitely tempting to be like, oh, budget, I'm organizing my finances. But when we're thinking about functions of management, our organizing is organizing people, right? Our budget, we're controlling our assets um, too. So that can definitely get, um, get confusing. Thanks for tuning in for this week's practice question review. Don't forget that we are doing these live on my Facebook page, Registered Dietitian Exam Tutoring with Dana RD, every Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and I would love to have you join live. You can also head to my website, danajfnutrition.com, to find out about the latest classes as well as study tips and services. Thanks for tuning in.